You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. We start a new worship series today. It's called Time After Time. As we start the season of Lent, these 40 days minus Sundays, 40 days where we will meditate on the way in which we are called to use our time. On Ash Wednesday uh, last week, we talked about how uh, the language of, of the text was, now is the time. Now is the time. Don't wait. Reconcile. Forgive. And it's because we're not here forever. So let us use our time wisely with one another. Though today the text is a little bit different, and every week there's going to be a different kind of slice of time, understanding what time is, this illusion that we call time. Wednesday was now is the time. Well, today we have this really curious line. It's Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, and at the very end it says, the devil left him for an opportune time. Dun, 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 right? There's, this, there's something that's, that's just out there. It's, it's behind every corner and behind every shadow. There's something for an opportune time, right? Well, let's, let's check it out. Our scripture lesson today is from the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, beginning with the first verse. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to be a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me. And I give it to anyone I please. If you, then, will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down for here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. On their hands they will bear you up on eagles' wings, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The devil left him for an opportune time. That doesn't sound ominous or creepy at all, right? What a cliffhanger. He left him for an opportune time. It's kind of like... Do you feel that? Oh my... Do you feel that? 
opportune time. We don't know where it's coming. We don't know where it is. We don't know where it's going. And we're always, we seem to always be on the lookout. It almost feels like the temptation account wasn't quite finished. And maybe that's the point. On Ash Wednesday, we talked about now is the time. And we begin this 40-day journey with one another to prepare for resurrection. That preparation reminds us of Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. Jesus fasted for 40 days, and then the devil began the dialogue with Jesus. So Jesus fasted for 40 days, and then when Jesus was hungry and when Jesus was famished, then at the end of 40 days is when the devil had his dialogue with Jesus. And the, the same is true for us. At the end, of, here's the thing, here's the temptation. At the end of 40 days, we will gather here on Easter Sunday. The tomb will be empty. The stone will be rolled away. And we will say things like, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And the temptation is for nothing to have changed. For everything to be the same. Only after 40 days did the temptation occur. After 40 days, friends, is when our temptation well, we will face our temptation to treat the resurrection as if it doesn't matter. So let us prepare well. Let us prepare well for an empty tomb. Let us be mindful of the way in which we are using our time. Time is our common currency. No one in here has any more hours than anyone else. Now, we know that time is relative, right? But here and now, all of our clocks are ticking at the same rate. We are all inescapably moving into the future, one second at a, at a time. So how are we using our time? Are we using it wisely? What are we investing in? After fasting for 40 days, the tempter said, if you are the son of God, big if, if you are the Son of God, I know you're hungry, transform this stone into bread. And Jesus said, humanity does not live by bread alone. In other words, we need bread, but if bread is only a means of filling our stomach, then we miss the point. When we gather for dinner, and I'm assuming you do the same thing, when we gather for dinner in the evenings, we have a prayer, like we say grace, right? Uh, gracious God, bless this food that we are about to receive. Bless it to the nourishment of our bodies and bless the hands that have prepared it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Simple to the point. And in saying grace, saying thanksgiving over a meal, it's not so that God like, might pour like, special like voodoo or something on the food or like to protect it from being spoiled or to make it extra delicious or anything like that. When we say grace, when we gather around the table and break bread with one another, we recognize, of course, we do not live by bread alone and it's because bread is not alone. It takes the soil. It takes the weather. It takes a farmer to till the soil. It takes a baker to bake the bread and to knead it together. It takes a truck driver to get the bread to where the bread factory is to the grocery store. Bread is never alone. It takes lots of hands to make. So when we say grace, when we say thanksgiving over our meal, what we're saying is Thank you, God, for all of the people and all of the things that have come together for this meal. But think 
of the power we would have if we could turn stones into bread. We wouldn't need the farmer. We wouldn't need the baker. We wouldn't need the transportation. We could right now have enough bread for everyone. We could solve world hunger. And therein lies the temptation because we can solve world hunger now. We just don't want to because it would require a sacrifice on our behalf. That's the temptation. If you can turn stones into bread, you can become a god. You don't need anyone or anything. You You can change all of the stones you're standing on onto bread, but then what happens? You've ruined your foundation. There are no more stones. And then you have nowhere to stand. And you stumble. And you fall. It's not about the bread. And Jesus didn't reject bread. Jesus actually said yes to bread. Jesus took bread and fed 5,000 people with bread. Jesus took bread and said, this is my body broken for you. Jesus said, I am the bread. Jesus brought the bread into his own self and said, I am the bread of life. Bread is not made with stones. It's made with the body of Christ. So that we might share and receive grace. So, foiled, the devil then brings Jesus to a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world of all time. He said, I will give all of this to you if you worship me. Think of what we could do if we had the power of all of the kingdoms of the earth. Think of what we could do if your preferred political party had all branches of the United States government. Think of what we could do. And then realize both Republicans and Democrats over the last eight years have had all three branches of the government at one time or another. And here we are. John Howard Yoder wrote a great book. It's called The Original Revolution about Jesus's politics and and about the kingdoms of the world. Jesus did not reject the kingdoms. He accepted the kingdom of what God was doing. This is what Yoder writes. Yoder, not Yoda. Just so there's no confusion, Jeff. Yoder is his name. (laughs) This is the original. (laughs) So I can do a lot of cartoon voices, and it's because I didn't have many friends in middle school. That's, you have to entertain yourself. You're welcome. This is what Yoder says. He says, this is the original revolution, the creation of a distinct community with its own deviant set of values and its coherent way of incarnating them. When Jesus called his society together, Jesus gave its members a new way of living. He gave them a new way to deal with offenders by forgiving them. He gave them a new way to deal with violence by suffering. He gave them a new way to deal with money by sharing. He gave them a new way to deal with problems of leadership by drawing upon the gift of every member, even the most humble. He gave them a new way to deal with a corrupt society by building a new order, not tearing down the old. 
This is the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. It's a kingdom in which the last shall be first. It's a kingdom that is as precious as a treasure, as precious as a pearl. It's a kingdom that is built on good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, release of the captives. And it's a kingdom which bursts forth from an empty tomb. Here's the thing about the empty tomb. The Roman authority, the government, the power, the nation of the world, they they had the power of the world. They were the ones that covered the tomb with the stone. The stone represents Rome. And it was a great concern when they were going to the tomb on Easter morning. Who is going to roll away this stone for us? Who is going to take away this barrier of us getting to Christ? Who's going to move this for us? And what we discover is that with the resurrection, the stone doesn't matter. It was already rolled away. It is inconsequential. With the resurrection, the kingdoms of the world are inconsequential. This doesn't mean that we throw away any kind of earthly power or influence, but we hold it loosely. We hold it loosely, or then we become what we want to overthrow we become, our, or maybe it's that line from Batman, you live, you know, you're a hero until you live long enough to see yourself become the villain, right? We hold power loosely. The secret of recognizing this power and inviting people to the table is not building a bigger table. It is recognizing when your time to come to the table has happened and when you are mature enough to get up and leave and, leave and make room for someone else. That's what leadership is. That's what power is. It's recognizing when you have to get out of the way. Even Jesus ascended and said, it's up to you. And if Jesus can delegate, if Jesus can move, if Jesus can say, I'm making room for you now to lead, then we can do the same. That's the kingdom. Foiled again, the devil takes Jesus to the holy city of Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple saying, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will give his angels charge of you and on their hands they will bear you up on eagle's wings lest you dash your foot against a stone. Right? Uh Uh-oh. Well, now the devil's quoting scripture. Uh Uh-oh. The devil's crafty, man. Because the devil devil knows that, this is how it starts. The devil says, do this and I will give you this. Do that and I will give you this. And the devil says, okay, okay, fine. Let me quote a little Bible verse to you, Jesus, and see what happens. Oh, there's a whole sermon in that. He quotes scripture. Watch out. It's one of those lessons of making sure that we don't choose the word that supports our ideology, but that we allow the word to shape and change who we are the other way around. So Jesus says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He chooses not to jump from the temple. So Jesus rejects this movement away from the temple, but, but he says yes to becoming the temple. See, the temple, the temple is where God lives. The temple is where God dwells and resides. 
So the temptation that's happening is the devil says, yes, you're going to be picked up. The angels are going to carry you. You're not going to dash your foot against a stone. But what the devil is wanting Jesus to do is to leap away from where God lives, to leap away from where God dwells, to create space in between him and his God. And Jesus rejects that. But Jesus says yes to the temple. Jesus incorporates the temple into his very body. The brick and mortar of the place where God resides is in Jesus himself. Just like Jesus didn't reject bread, but took it upon himself and said, I am the bread. Jesus is also the temple. And because of the resurrection, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ resides in all of us. Therefore, the place where God lives is also within all of us. Do not separate yourself from the God that is living within you. Don't jump from the temple. Learn that still small voice, which is closer than your own breath. Lent is a season in which we take time to investigate our own sin. And the problem with, the, with, the problem with sin is that it's half right. I've mentioned this before. That's why sin is so tempting. It's because it's half right. It's a perversion of God's first commandment. Be fruitful and multiply. Sin always multiplies, but it's never fruitful. That's why it's so tantalizing. It's so close. It's half right. It's not about turning stones into bread because then you eventually you will have nowhere to stand. Sounds like a great idea. Here, I will give you all the power of the earth until you realize Rome isn't here anymore. It is, but not with, you get what I'm saying. Leap from the temple. God will pick you up until we realize what the tempter is really asking us is to separate ourselves from ourselves and the God that lives within us. Having power and influence in the world might bring about remarkable things. But if we strive after power for our own benefit, we become the enemy we try to resist. It's like that first act of disobedience. Adam and Eve, they're eating the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And they thought that when they ate this fruit, they would be like God. They would see all things and know all things and be all places. They could turn stones into bread. You see where I'm going with this. But what happened, the first and seemingly only emotion that they found and felt and discovered in that moment was shame. They hid. Shame was the only result. And shame is certainly an opportune time for a tempter to find you. That's one of the reasons why we are playing Wordle with each other. I know it's a silly game. It's kind of a dumb word game. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. So what, you know, so what is it? What is it? It, it, it forces you, I hope, and I hope you're playing. It's over our texting services, also on Facebook. I hope you're playing it. It's fun. But the point is kind of to force you, like, to create this FOMO, right? This fear of missing out. Like, everyone's playing this word. Like, you got to figure out, I, I got Jesus in three moves or whatever, right? I, look, I've gotten more text messages about this dang wordle than anything in the history of Asbury ever, right? 
when the, when the world was really bad, it's like, I felt like I was like a White House briefing or something. Everyone's like, oh my God, I didn't get my Wordle. How do I do the Wordle? How do I get my Wordle? I love it. No, I love it. I absolutely love it. Keep the text coming. That means you're interested in it. I love it. Um, but I hope, I hope it forces you at least for a few minutes a day to meditate on God's word and, and to think about this word. And all the words come from the scripture from the previous Sunday. So when it comes out tomorrow, you know to look in Luke chapter four if you need a hint, right? But I hope that it's forcing you to spend some time with God's word. And not only that, the best part is when you start comparing your scores and your answers. So it's also bringing us together in just a little friendly competition. Do not lord it over somebody like the pagans do. Right? I got Jesus in three moves. Right? No, come on. But I hope it, it is a catalyst and an invitation to use our time wisely. To meditate on God's word. You know, because when we meditate on God's word. Da, 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 da. The opportune time is not nearly as dramatic. You almost forget that it was left out there. Hmm. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray.